tell me whether thou wouldst that I should speak unto thee a soft lie or a harsh truth. A soft lie or the harsh truth. So said Euripides some four centuries before the Son entered the world as the Christ. What do you want? A soft lie or the harsh truth? Have you noticed that whenever anyone becomes popular, anything they say becomes a magnet for derision? Whenever an athlete achieves stardom, they can't open their mouths without every newspaper and website and television show tearing apart what he or she says. Suddenly, it's of great importance for every American to gain intimate knowledge of every terrible habit they ever had. If an actor becomes a superstar, everyone becomes a critic. Some of the criticism is, well, more than fair. (laughs) But much of it is not. The hatred spewed out on, for instance, Tim Tebow is breathtaking. Even Olympic athletes are not spared. Paul Wilson of Fox News wrote that the New York Times sport reporter, Jared Logman, wrote a vicious hit piece about Olympic hurdler Lolo Jones published just before her race, mocking her for being whatever anyone wants her to be, vixen, virgin, victim. Logman then snidely remarked that she was a 30-year-old virgin and a Christian, and oh, by the way, a big fan of Tim Tebow, a virgin a Christian and a Tebow fan to the secular left three strikes against her. He closed his article, Mr. Wilson did, with this, an athlete can lead an unsavory life or even be a criminal and win a pass from the media. But outspoken Christian athletes face a media blitz against their faith. You ever watched 19 Kids and Counting? Yeah, then you know... This is a wholesome, loving family. You know the Duggar family, right? It probably won't surprise you to find out that there is a virulent hatred of these kind people that spewed on them the vicious, unfounded attacks that are against their character. You don't even want to look it up. It's that bad. But it's not just the national and the international scene. Whenever a kid gets popular in school, There are those who will tell you lots of dirt about them, especially if she or he has made it public that they believe in Jesus. To say it pretty straight, there are always people who cannot stand for anyone else to be better than they are, and certainly not to insist that there is a better way to live life than the way that they are living life. It all goes back to a basic principle. Technically, it's called narcissism, excessive self-love. Self-centeredness, self-absorption. Did God really say? That's what Satan heard out. Oh, no, 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 he lied. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Don't let God tell you how to live. You decide. Ever since that moment when the first humans fell for Satan's lie, those who wish to be their own little gods, They kick pretty hard when they crash into the awful truth that only God can be God. This desire to be one's own God is the true explanation of the rise in opposition to Jesus' work. 
an explanation for the evaporation of the crowds supporting him after this many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. The old Bible commentator Barnes said, we should learn not to wonder at the apostasy of many who profess to be followers of Christ. Many are induced to become his professed followers on the prospect of some temporal benefit or under some public excitement as these were. When that temporal benefit is not obtained or that excitement is over, they fall away. Now, we should agree that Jesus didn't make it easy. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay, that's, that's kind of tough. So even though many rejected Jesus because he was God, some of the people were not yet ready to accept him. God the Son in human form, that's a pretty special case. So maybe we can give them a little slack. And when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Hard, yeah, it's hard. (laughs) Trying to calculate what that message could be in this bizarre statement. It's hard even today. Imagine if you were part of that group to hear those words the first time they were ever spoken. We'd better review Jesus' claims in the synagogue exchange that he had following the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. They are the core values of the Christian faith. It's not work, it's belief. Specifically, if you want eternal life, you must believe in Jesus and his saving power. Jesus is superior to Moses and everyone else. That's what Jesus was saying. In our day, we hear a lot about the teachings of the Buddha and Confucius. The whole concept of karma... It's all payback. If you're suffering now, it's because you were bad in a previous life. Your works will save you if you make up for it in this life. Muhammad claimed that belief was a thing. He said, yeah, belief is a thing. But, he wrote in the Quran, those whose scales of good deeds are heavy, they are prosperous. While those whose scales are light, they will be those who have ruined their own selves in hell abiding. The fire will scorch their faces, their lips displaced, and their jaws protruding. It should be obvious that Islam is a balanced religion. Get 51% on the good side, you end up in paradise. Only 49%, you end up in hell. That's how it works. It's your works that save you. Joseph Smith cobbled together a religion from that of the Muslims and the Buddhists and wherever else he found it interested in. And he applied lots of Christian words to his strange concepts, all of which boil down to this. You make yourself a God. Why does Jesus shout, No! (laughs) You must believe! And that belief must have a right object. You must believe in the Son. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples are grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? We've mentioned it here before. Jews were not confused about pre-existence like the Mormons are or the Hindus before them. They knew all humans had a beginning. But Jesus bombs them with this incredible statement, what if you discover that I have always existed? What if you see me demonstrate that? The Son was, is, and always will be God. That's what he's saying. You might note that he did not explain his statements, but in this is a truth that prepared those who will be saved 
for that time when they will believe. But it was impossible for the reprobate mind to accept what Jesus said at all. You want eternal life? It must come through Jesus. Christianity does claim absolute exclusivity. God will save all that He has chosen through His Son and only those He's chosen will be saved. When a person wants to be their own God, they don't really like this. <laughs> we were watching one of those old America's, America's Funniest Home videos and it was focused on kids in the holidays. So this one young boy is given this costume of a superhero and as soon, as soon as the outfit on, the, they just get the cape tied, he just took off and jumped onto the coffee table and went running to the end and spread his arms to fly. And he made it for 18 inches about. That was pretty much it. <laughs> he was shocked. He truly believed that he could soar through the air. But like any person who might try this, he quickly discovered a very hard truth. Gravity. <laughs> he landed flat on his face. That boy really liked the idea that he could fly. But it isn't true. And it isn't about whether we like it or not. The issue is whether it is true or not. The Christian claim is absolute. The Father draws people to Him and gives them to Jesus. They will come to Jesus. Jesus will hold them safely forever. These truths are particularly onerous to non-believers. But if they are true... They are like gravity to a little boy running up the end of a coffee table. They're true. They don't change because you do or don't like them. Jesus is the bread that came from heaven. You are not. Jesus is the Son. As the Son, He is eternal. You are not. He is the only way to be saved and you must partake of Him to gain eternal life. You cannot gain eternal life for yourself of truth and some left so let's talk about the disciples who left Jesus said it is the spirit who gives life the flesh is no help at all the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life but there are some of you who do not believe and he said this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the father why did Jesus say no one can come to him unless the father draws him well he gives two reasons some do not believe. The words are spirit and the spirit gives life. Okay, maybe that's one reason in two different ways. <laughs> Question. Would they have understood spirit to mean the person of the Holy Spirit? The third person of the Trinity, we say. The truth is that in the original language, we can't tell. Is spirit the Holy Spirit or is it Jesus simply pointing out that the ideas are spiritual, not material? Uh, many, most, agree with the ESV translators. Jesus meant the Holy Spirit. And given that the Holy Spirit is clearly introduced in the very next story John records from Jesus' life on earth, it's easy to see that Jesus, at least, meant to speak of that other person to whom he is so very close. But still, the words simply say, the Spirit gives life and could be taken either way. Also, Jesus had said that Moses fed the body, but he feeds the Spirit, so they might not have understood this to mean the person of the Spirit, and I think that was okay with Jesus. But probably he meant both. 
And he knew that those who would believe would look back on that moment, just as we're doing now, and realize the importance of the person of the Spirit. So, the Father draws us, we come to Jesus, Jesus gives us the Spirit, the Spirit gives us eternal life in the name of Jesus by the will of the Father. Okay? Eternal life. Are we thinking eternally? Or do we hope to gain something in this life from our belief? Every one of the twelve gave everything, even their lives, to follow Jesus, believing they would gain eternal life. A great many of the early church, the first few hundred years of the church, gave their life as martyrs. Did you know, by the way, the word martyr is taken from a great Christian teacher and apologist who was beheaded in 165 AD because of his refusal to deny Jesus. His name was Justin Martyr. That's where the name Martyr comes from. Are there some who walk with Jesus only because they like how it makes them feel? Feelings have led people into, well, horrific lives. <laughs> Addictions, terrible marriages, false beliefs, sin, on and on and on. Are we looking at the truly spiritual or only the material? Well, back then, some didn't believe yet. <laughs> some never would. In the middle of Jesus' statement, John, driven by the Spirit, inserted this comment. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him to those who would not believe. The idea that they couldn't come without the Father drawing them, it was just unacceptable. Another old commentator, Clark, the wicked word of a lying world is in general better received than the holy word of the God of truth. An athlete convicted of rape is more easily accepted than one who says they are a virgin at the command of God. It's just the truth. It is sad. There were those who left, but then there were the disciples who stayed. Okay. Later, Jesus sends out 70 to do his work. They must have stayed. In Jerusalem at the Pentecost after Jesus ascended, there were 120 in the upper room who had stayed. And, of course, many others spread all over Israel and even beyond. And, most critically, the twelve. What made them stay? That's something Jesus wanted them to know. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Now remember, he already knows they'll stay. He's asking them to examine their lives. So we got to wonder, how did that mass exodus affect the disciples? Did they question Sometimes it's good to question. Was their commitment more sure when they held on in the face of so many leaving? Jesus knew, of course, what they would do. He asked them to try them for them. Okay? Now, of course, God gives situations to us so we can grow spiritually. But those disciples, how were they doing? Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow! Let's memorize that verse. Wow! Peter he made a lot of stupid mistakes. But wow, when he gets it, he gets it. 
You see, Peter was listening, listening in particular to Jesus' discourse in the synagogue that he had just finished, where Jesus mentioned eternal life and the resurrection to it 11 times. Peter got it. (laughs) Peter knew that through Jesus alone can we gain eternal life. He believed. He believed that Jesus came from God and was God. And he said all the twelve did. But he was wrong. There was one who betrayed. You have the words of eternal life. We have believed. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? One of these carefully chosen men did not feel as Peter did. They were all specially chosen. Wait, didn't God specially choose us? Hmm. There were only 12 that Jesus chose from everyone that followed him. A small group like us. But one that Jesus chose would betray him. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. Why did Judas stay? Did he stayed just for the money. Judas was the, he was trusted as the treasurer and was even after this, he was still trusted as the treasurer. And we know he did steal from the bag from other scriptures. Did Judas forget he was a steward and it didn't belong to him? Or was he self-focused and figured it was all about him anyway? One of you is a devil. Did Judas even know it was him? Did the others wonder if it was them? Actually, we know they were still wondering if it was them at the Last Supper. But Judas, did Judas even know he didn't believe? He didn't believe what he should believe. Maybe he thought Jesus was simply saying what was expedient, you know, like a slick politician who says what it takes to get elected. Every movement, you know, needs an enemy. Uh, In politics, it's always the other guy or the other party. They're always the enemy, you know. Even in business, this is true. I've been following recently in my, so my other work, the Tesla electric car company. It's a phenomenon. People are all excited about this. And it owes a good part of its success to a common enemy. Big oil, and global warming that surely must be their fault. That's a big part of what draws people. You need an enemy. Maybe Judas thought Jesus was just manufacturing a mythical enemy to focus the troops. They're all leaving in droves. Better create a good sound bite to draw them in. That kind of idea. Could it be that Jesus was warning Judas, giving him every last chance to do it right? Maybe the biggest question is this. Why did Jesus choose him if he knew he was going to betray him? Was it for the benefit of the other disciples? To put them on their guard? To check their confidence? To lead them into self-examination? Makes me wonder, does God allow Judas's in our lives for these purposes? But there is one other thought. Maybe Judas was there to be a witness. I mean, really. Judas watched Jesus for over three years, and when he betrayed him, he returned to the very priests who had paid him for his dirty deed and told them Jesus was innocent. What better witness to Jesus' perfection could you hope for? Didn't work, by the way. They didn't believe it anyway. 
Whatever the case, we know this truth. Like Joseph's brothers 1,500 years earlier, Judas meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Jesus allowed Satan, in the form of Judas Iscariot, in his midst. Right in the midst of the disciples. But the eleven had Jesus with them until he sent Judas away on the night of the Last Supper. Jesus shielded them from Judas' nature. They didn't even know Judas was the traitor. And so, though I'm sure it shook them to the core, they were not hurt terribly by him. What about us? What if a Judas tried to join our fellowship? Who would help us and protect us? Jesus, just hours before Judas would betray him, said to the eleven, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. We can know we are children of God, because if we are, the Holy Spirit is in us. This is how Jesus comes to us. It is the Spirit who gives life. In what way can we, who look on the outward appearance, know who the Father has drawn? How can we know we are His and so are one? Because Jesus is for us. That same evening, Jesus prayed for the eleven and for us. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prayed for us, that we will be with him and the Father. Why? So that, when we are there together, the world can believe that Jesus came down from heaven and ascended there again and will give us, through the Spirit, eternal life. This is exciting. So we tell everybody about it and they'll all just believe, right? (laughs) I wish it were true. But Paul wrote, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seeks wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Are you called? Do you know the power of God and the wisdom of God? You see, Some will believe. Peter believed and he gained eternal life. Judas, do you believe you have eternal life by the Spirit through the sacrifice of Jesus? That's the question. That's the one we have to ask people. 